Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you tune in. This is Reverend Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries. This is today's episode 37 of our Truth Tidbits. As we look into the scriptures, the word of God, every single day, and see what the Lord might speak to us. So today, I'd like to continue along. We're almost done with what we call the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. <clears throat> and I'm trying to just focus on um, each section of that each day and talk a little bit about that. And so today we are in verse 13 of Matthew chapter 6. I'm going to read beginning in verse 9 again. <clears throat> Excuse me. In this manner, therefore, pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. <clears throat> For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. Today I want to take that first part of verse 13. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. <coughs> Excuse me. And so I want to talk today about freedom, true freedom, freedom from sin, freedom from our past. God wants us to have true freedom and to experience that. So in this prayer, he encourages us to pray to the Father that we not be led into temptation. It says, and do not lead us into temptation. Now, lest we think that God can tempt us, <clears throat> that is not what this is saying. As a matter of fact, <clears throat> we read in James chapter 1, beginning in verse 13, Let's begin in verse 12, James chapter 1. Blessed is the man who endures temptation, for when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Now that's speaking of testing that God would give to us. He says, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted by... This is talking about temptation to sin, to actually do wrong, not a test from the Lord, but a temptation for wrong. That's what it's talking about here when it says God doesn't tempt us to do wrong. It says, verse 14, but each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin and sin when it is full grown brings forth death. So, in other words, this is telling us the process here. God does not tempt anyone with evil, but we have fleshly desires and motives and evil nature within us. So, therefore, when we see something that could be a bait to sin, we are drawn away because we give into that bait. And then when we give into that, it births in us sin. It could be a thought. 
you know, you're not going to um, commit a grievous sin, let's say adultery or, or murder or something like that, without it first kind of percolating and stimulating your mind and your other faculties. You're going to think about it. And so it's going to be something that you've given over to that temptation through thinking upon it, through yielding to that thing, whatever it is. And then it will bring you to the sin. And if sin becomes full grown, in other words, if you don't repent of that sin before your final breath, then it will bring you eternal death, eternal separation from God. The wages of sin is death. God has given a gift of eternal life to all who will believe in Jesus, all who will repent and call out to him for salvation. But this is telling us if you don't do that, then eventually it will lead to that death. So God is not a tempter. He is not the one that tempts us to sin. That's not what Matthew, uh, that's not what Matthew's recording here that the Lord told us to pray. It's not that God would end up drawing us to a place. He's not going to put the bait in front of us. But in other words, what it's really saying is don't let me experience evil or temptation by taking any bait. In other words, it's, it's Lord, help me not to be solicited by the bait. Don't let my condition or my mental state lead me to an enticement to sin or to lapse from faith and holiness. So it's a way to pray that God would protect us from that, that God would keep us from taking the bait, from even perhaps putting ourselves in a situation where we have bait put in front of us to take. He says, don't lead us to that. Don't help us to avoid that. And rather our prayer to you, Lord, our Father, is that you would deliver us Draw us to yourself. Rescue us from the evil one. Now, let's talk a little bit about these in terms of what these are really saying. It's interesting that that word deliver kind of comes from to draw. It means to draw out, to draw or rush, to draw to oneself. It, it reminded me of like uh, the rapids. If you're ever in the mountains or whatever, maybe you take a, um, you go ride the rapids or whatever, tubing or whatever, and the rapids can get very strong. The current of those can be very strong. And if you're not careful, you know, if you got into a very raging rapid right before a waterfall or something like that, you know, it can be deadly for you. It can be very serious. And so the Jesus is kind of using that type of imagery here in the Greek words that Matthew records. He is saying, God, rescue me. Get me out of that raging current. Rescue me and deliver me from the evil one. Separate me from the evil that is out there. Let's talk a minute about that. Even that little word from is important because it talks about separation. It talks about departing and fleeing. It talks about um, <clears throat> not having any union or any fellowship with that thing 
any more at all, but being completely separated and rescued from it. So let's take that example of the raging rapids again. If it were the raging rapids and you were caught in that, he's saying, God, rescue me, pull me out, snatch me out of that danger and get me far removed from it, far removed from it. Part of God's work of deliverance from anything evil or detrimental to us is to snatch us out of it through his rescue and to separate us so that we get away from it and we stay away from it. It reminds me of Joseph in Egypt when Joseph, remember uh, Potiphar's wife, she was enticed, trying to entice him to sin. And what did Joseph do? He fled. He got out of there. And Paul brings up that point a little bit. He, he kind of has that in his mind. And he tells us in the New Testament, flee, flee. There are some things that you get out of there, you know, like a raging rapid or something. You get out of that situation. And he tells us some things that we need to flee and so this is God's work of deliverance includes getting us out of things, but also helping us to stay out of them. And it's interesting because this, this word for evil is the, the paneros. And there's a few different Greek words that are translated for evil or bad in the New Testament. Some mean just, you know, ordinary evil, like our evil nature that, you know, somebody might want to steal something or you don't want to share something or whatever. And then there's the evil that basically means something's useless or worthless, and it may be translated evil or bad. But then there's Poneris, and Poneris is that, that evil that is so malicious and so evil in its very core that it is not content to just go down in itself. It wants to bring you down. It wants to destroy everything in your life. Jesus talked about a thief that came to steal, kill, and destroy. This is that kind of evil. It labors to press and harass you, to bring you to a place of calamity. It is vicious, and it is speaking of the evil one. We have to understand Satan or the devil, the evil one, he knows his end. He knows he was kicked out of heaven. He knows he's read the book. He knows the book. He tried to even use part of it um, in an in a evil way against the, the Lord himself when he tempted him in the desert, in the wilderness. So Satan knows his end, but he is so evil. He is seeking desperately to influence and pull down with him everyone he can into hell, which is his ultimate um, destiny, the lake of fire eternally. And he's not content to just go himself. Oh, no, he is so evil. He wants to steal, kill and destroy and bring you down with him. That is his goal. But God can and does deliver us from evil and from this evil one. And that is what God is, is recording for us here and how to pray. Jesus is teaching us this prayer. So what is our part in this? Well, first of all, 
I believe we need to recognize what God has delivered and saved us from. The Bible talks in one place about people being short-sighted and not remembering what God has saved us from, not remembering that we were dead in our past sins. We need to remember that. It needs, it needs to be something that we're sensitive to remembering that those were our old ways, and we need to recognize them as such. In 2 Corinthians, Paul writes this in verse 17 of chapter 5. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he or she is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Paul is reminding us here <clears throat> that whoever we were before Christ, whoever we were in our past life, that person is dead. That person is gone. Those ways are dead to us, and we must remember that. It was like that raging, those raging rapids that God rescued us and snatched us out of. And now he has put us safely, safely into the, into the land, into the forest, into the, the mountainside there, where we are far removed from those raging rapids, far removed from that danger. And so we need to remember that that is true of us now in Christ Jesus. And we need to be able to keep and remember we must keep ourselves separate from it. Whatever is necessary to do that. Jesus spoke at one time about if your right hand offends you, cut it off. If your eye offends you, pluck it out. Now, he's not talking physically about people going around and just cutting off their arms. That's not what he means. But what he is saying is be drastic. Recognize what's bringing you to sin or what your weak areas are and take drastic measures to correct them. Avoid those situations. Avoid those things. If God has delivered you out of drugs or alcohol, stay away from bars. Stay away from those people. Break relationships that need to be broken. Make new relationships. Go and get involved in a church and get linked up with a with a good solid body of believers that can help you separate from certain things and get into certain things. And so that's what he's talking about here. The other thing <clears throat> that I want to point out also that will help us is this. <clears throat> I want to take Jesus' words himself and also tell you this, that this is another part of our life of living free from sin and temptation and being able to overcome that. In John chapter 8, the first several verses of John chapter 8 deal with the adulterous woman who was brought to Jesus and, and Jesus stooped down and didn't answer them and they were accusing her and all of that. And, and then he was able to step, rise up. Nobody was there but him and his disciples and the woman. And, and he says to her, woman, where are your accusers? And she said, they're all gone. I don't have any. And he says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. In other words, I've for, I'm forgiving you now. I'm giving you freedom. I'm giving you a brand new life. Go, but don't sin anymore. How are you going to do that? He tells us 
in verse 12, the very next verse, he says this. Then Jesus spoke to them again. This is all the people that were still there, including this woman. I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. In other words, he picks up what he's just done for this woman. He tells her, you're free now. I've saved you. I've forgiven you of your sins. You are free now. Go and live a life of holiness. Do not get entrapped and ensnared in that sin again. And here's how. I'm the light of the world. Follow me. If you follow me, you're not going to walk in darkness, but you will have the light of life. Then he goes on down and he keeps talking to people and so forth. And many of them, it says in verse 30, it says, as he spoke these words, many believed in him. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him. Okay, I want you to understand this. He is now directing this next part of what he's going to say to Jews who just put their faith in him right then and were forgiven of their sins. Brand new baby Christians, we might say. And he says these words to them. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, If you abide, live, stay permanently and dwell deeply in my word, in my scriptures, in the written Logos, the word of God. You are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. And then jump down to verse 36. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. Here is the process. And I'm going to pick this up in another type of um, uh, lesson at some point in discipleship, this is how you become a disciple of Jesus Christ. This is some of the very first steps after you believe in Jesus. What's the next thing? Jesus tells us right here. He tells us exactly the very next thing you need to do. And that is get rooted in God's word. Dig into it. Read it. Let it flow. Let it flow all over you. Let it rush in. Give it space in your heart. Believe it. Receive it. Become that good soil he spoke about in another parable and in another place. Read his word. Get engulfed in his word. Continue in it. Become rooted and grounded in his love and in his word. And as you read his word, you will hear and see his love all in it. Plant yourself in the scriptures. That's what he's saying. Continue in my word and then you are my, my disciples. Then you become my students and my followers through learning it and through obeying it. And what's the result of that? You will know the truth. And the truth is what liberates you. Not only has set you free or rescued you, he's the one that has rescued you, but it's the truth of the word of God and walking, accepting it, being rooted in it, and then learning to be a doer of that word and obey it. That is what's going to bring the liberation and the freedom from sin in your life. And as you are doing that, know this, 
that he says, whoever the sun sets free is free indeed. And I want to leave you with this final thought. That term for free indeed basically is telling you it's got the emphasis of this. You are now free. You do not ever have to go back to that sin. When you have been truly freed by Jesus Christ and you are obeying his command here to stay in his word and let the truth continue to help liberate you, you will be free indeed when he rescues you. In other words, go back to that raging rapids again. When he grabs you out of that water and plants you securely on the, on the good land in the, with the grass and the trees and all of that, and you are free, you're separated from that, you don't ever have to go back and get back in that river again. You don't. You are free. He has made you free. And you do not have to go back to that again. And he tells us in his word, how to stay free in those areas. The main thing he said, John 8, 12 here, walk in his light, follow him. How do you do that? You do it by getting into his word, by listening to his spirit, learning his voice, letting the spirit of God speak to you and draw you. You get it through that relationship with him, not through religion and rules, but through a real and vibrant relationship with him. And remember, when he rescues you out of those raging rapids, you do not ever have to go back into them again. I pray that you understand and are experiencing this life of freedom from sin. Does it mean you'll never mess up? No, it doesn't. And that's why he tells us, if you learn the word of God, you will understand. He tells us in other places that if we um, confess our sin, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sin. We're going to sin from time to time, and we have that advocate with the Father when we do. But we begin to learn and to grow from those examples and from those lessons. And we learn more of him and we grow closer to him and we sin less and less because he's bringing us in to a life of true liberation and freedom from sin. I pray this has been a blessing to you today. And Lord willing, you can join us again for future episodes of Truth Tidbits. God bless you today in Jesus name.